I, uh, I'm the youngest of five kids, as many of you know, and two summers ago, uh, my whole family came up for a Jackson family summer vacation in Wisconsin. And a month and a half prior to it, we decided to make a bet. We decided to have a Biggest Loser competition. All right. If you're not familiar with Biggest Loser, basically you see who, wins the, who loses the most weight over a given period of time, and that person wins. Now, we put some, uh, some umph behind it because we said whoever wins this... We'll all give $25 to. This was our promise. We promised each other we'll give you $25 for a date night. And so there were four siblings that were a part of this. And so whoever won would get $75 for a date night. Well, I am extremely competitive. And so when we started this competition, I cut out all sorts of sugar. Uh, and then as it got down to the final week, I was cutting out a lot of food. And the day before, I was going to the sauna. I was jogging. I was drinking hardly any water. I wasn't eating because I was determined to win, determined to be the biggest loser. And I was indeed the biggest loser. I lost the most weight. Now, I know some of you are saying, Dan, you didn't need a competition to figure that out. But I am indeed the biggest loser. And I was the biggest loser in more than one way. One of the ways that I was the biggest loser is my immune system was so broken down from degrading my body that I actually became very sick. So I, sick. I, got, uh, I got very sick and we were up in Door County and I was so sick with strep throat that I actually passed out and was vomiting. Um, I won the $75. But I paid $200 in medical bills, all right? And so you better believe I was going to make sure my brothers and sisters were good, good on their promise. And so I said, all right, it's time to pay up. I want that $75 for date night. And one of my siblings, who I won't mention, said, I'm not giving it to you. I'm like, but you promised. And they said, you cheated. I'm like, there's no rules to dieting. Like, this is... Finally, I got it out of them after some awkward conversations. But have you ever had someone make a promise to you and they never followed through with it? Or it was like pulling teeth to make them follow through on that promise? God makes promises to us. Let me read a couple of those promises to you. You can read along with me. Philippians 4.18, God says, He shall supply all your needs according to His riches in glory by Christ Jesus. 2 Corinthians 12.9, God makes a promise. My grace is sufficient for you. 1 Corinthians 10.13, God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, He will also provide a way out so that you can stand up under it. And finally, Romans 8.28. And we know that in all things, not some things, but in all things, God works for the good of those who love Him. Have you ever gone through a time where you have doubted the promises of God? Where you have wondered if they are true? You have wondered, is God really giving me a way out of this temptation? Is God really providing for all my needs? In this very difficult situation in my life, is God really using this for good, for my good? Have you ever wondered that? Have you ever questioned God's promises? I have. Abram has, who we're going to look at today. Have you ever, have you ever needed your faith to be strengthened? Has your faith ever been weakened? And you cry out to God, strengthen my faith. I have. Abram has. And that's what we're going to look at today. If you would, open up to Genesis chapter 15. It's on page 10 in the Red Bible. 
As you turn there, let me remind you. Abram was called out of Ur of the Chaldeans by the Lord God. And he said, leave everything to follow me. Leave your country, leave your people, leave your family, leave everything, come and follow me. As if God was saying, Abram, close your eyes, take my hand and follow me. And so Abram follows the Lord in this amazing step of faith. And as he walks on this journey of faith, God makes these promises to Abram. God promises him that he will be a great nation. And part of being a great nation is that he will have many descendants. Now, part of the problem is Abram was old and his wife Sarai was old. And she was barren and they had no children. They also had no property. And the Lord brings him to Canaan and says... I will give you all this land. Now, Abram, five, ten years after God has given the promise, is wondering, Lord, will you be true to your promise? Will you deliver on the promises that you have given to me? And that's what we're going to read about today here in Genesis chapter 15. We're going to read the whole chapter. Follow along with me. Genesis 15, 1 through 21. After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a, in a vision. Fear not, Abram, I am your shield. Your reward shall be very great. But Abram said, O Lord God, what will you give me? For I continue childless, and the heir of my house is Eleazar of Damascus. And Abram said, Behold, you have given me no offspring, and a member of my household will be my heir. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him. This man shall not be your heir. Your very own son shall be your heir. And he brought him outside and said, Look toward heaven and number the stars, if you are able to number them. Then he said to him, So shall your offspring be. And he believed the Lord, and he counted it to him as righteousness. And he said to him, I am the Lord who brought you out from Ur of the Chaldeans to give you this land to possess. But he said, O Lord God, how am I to know that I shall possess it? He said to him, Bring me a heifer three years old, a female goat three years old, a ram three years old, a turtle dove, and a young pigeon. And he brought him all these, cut them in half, and laid each half over against the other. But he did not cut the bird in half. And when birds of prey came down on the carcasses, Abram drove them away. As the sun was going down, a deep sleep fell over Abram. And behold, dreadful and great darkness fell upon him. Then the Lord said to Abram, Know for certain that your offspring will be sojourners in a land that is not theirs, and will be servants there, and they will be afflicted for four hundred years. But I will bring judgment on the nations." on the nation that they serve. And afterward, they shall come out with great possessions. As for yourself, you shall go to your fathers in peace. You shall be buried in a good old age. And they shall come back here in the fourth generation, for the iniquity of the Amorites is not yet complete. When the sun had gone down and it was dark, behold, a smoking fire pot and a flaming torch passed between the pieces. On that day, the Lord made a covenant with Abram, saying, To your offspring I give this land, from the river of Egypt to the great river, the river Euphrates, the land of the Kenites, the Kezites, the Kadamites, Kadamites, the Hittites, the Perizzites, the Rephaim, the Amorites, the Canaanites, the Girgashites, and the Jebusites. Let's pray. God, as we read again the reaffirmation of your promises to Abram, 
Lord, may we remember all the promises that are yes in Jesus Christ. The promises that we have as your children, God. Let us cling to them. Let us rejoice on them. And let us stand on them today. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. In this passage today, the Lord reaffirms three promises to Abram. This Genesis 15, by some people, is called the most important chapter in the whole Old Testament. Maybe the whole most important chapter in the whole Bible. Because the three promises that God gives to Abram lays out a framework for reading the rest of the Old Testament. For reading the story of the people of God. And the three promises that God reaffirms to Abram is this. God reaffirms His promised presence, a promised people, and a promised property. A promised presence, people, and property. And it's through this framework that we see Israel potentially losing these promises because of their sinfulness, but God keeping them because of His faithfulness. So let's look at these three promises. First, the Lord reaffirms His promised presence. Look in verse 1 with me, if you would, of Genesis 15. It says, After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Fear not, Abram, I am your shield. Your reward shall be very great. Now, inside this verse, there are two promises that both refer back to what we talked about last week in Genesis 14. But both of them also reaffirm to Abram that the Lord is saying, I will be with you. I am present. I am present with you. I will go with you wherever you will go. One of the promises that he says here, as he says, fear not, Abram, I am your shield. If you remember from last week, in Genesis 14, uh, uh, let's see, it was four kings came from the north, and they wiped out the east side of the Jordan, and they plundered it. And on their way back up, they plundered Sodom and Gomorrah, and they took Abram's nephew, Lot, and all of his supplies, all of his goods. They took, and they were running north with and, and Abram heard about this. And Abram decided, I'm going to go after these kings, after this military that is undefeated. And so Abram chases them down. Excuse me. And he has an amazing victory, and he wins back Lot, and he wins back all of the plunder. And he brings it back down. And as he's passing by Jerusalem, the king of Sodom comes and asks him for what he has brought back. But before that, Abram had to have great fear. You see, when he stole all these riches from these kings, certainly they would reload and they'd come back after Abram to take all of the plunder back. And so when he is fearing their return, God says to him, Fear not, Abram. I am your shield. I am your defender. I am your protector. Do not put your trust in chariots or swords or shields. Don't put it in guns. Don't put it in anything that the world has to offer. Put your trust in me because I am present with you and I am your great shield. God also promises here that your reward shall be very great. Now, if you remember, Abram rescued Lot and he had all of this plunder. And as he's coming through and the king of Sodom comes out to him, the king says to him, give me the persons, but take the goods for yourself. And do you remember how Abram responded? Look in 14, verse 22. Abram says, I have lifted my hand to the Lord, 
God Most High, possessor of heaven and earth, that I would not take a thread or a sandal strap or anything that is yours, lest you should say, I have made Abram rich. And so Abram says, listen, I don't want this plunder. Because it was earned by you. It was earned in wicked ways. Sodom was a wicked city that was built on wicked gain. And Abram said, I want none of it. You can have all of the plunder. And so he gives it all away. And then the Lord comes to him here. In the very next verse, after he's done speaking, in verse 1, and he says, your reward shall be very great. Now what is, what is Abram's reward? Well, I think the NIV translation and the King James Version translation actually help us understand what God is saying when He says, Your reward shall be very great. The NIV reads 15.1 this way. It says, After this, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield, your very great reward. The King James Version says, I am thy shield and thy exceeding great reward. You see, Abram's greatest reward was not the plunder. It was not romance. It wasn't even children or land. His greatest reward was the Lord God was present with him. His great defender. His great shield. And so Abram's treasure was the Lord. His reward was the Lord. You know, I think of when I was a young kid, how scary it was to go into the basement. You know, I don't know if any of you were like that, but for me, I had a very scary basement and I hated going downstairs. And so I'd always ask my dad, dad, will you come with me to go downstairs? Or mom, will you come with me to come downstairs? All I wanted was their presence because I knew that they were bigger than the boogeyman, right? And so their presence was my comfort. Their presence was my shield. Their presence was my reward. This is what God says, Abram, I am your reward. I am your shield. I am with you wherever you go. God repeats this promise to his people throughout the Old Testament. In Deuteronomy 31, 6, he says it this way. He says, be strong and courageous. Do not fear or be in dread of them, for it is the Lord your God who goes with you. He will not leave you or forsake you. And this promise is true for those today who trust in Christ. Hebrews 13 says this, For God has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So we can confidently say, The Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What can man do to me? And so you see, God makes this amazing reaffirmation of His promise to Abram. That He is present. That He is with him. And it is the same promise for us today in Christ. God goes on to reaffirm His promised people to Abram. Look in verse 2 with me, if you would. Verse 2, it says, But Abram said, O Lord God, what will you give me? For I continue childless, and the heir of my house is Eleazar of Damascus. And then Abram repeats himself, just in case God didn't hear the first time. Abram said, Behold, you have given me no offspring, and a member of my household will be my heir. As I said, Abram was 75 when he left Haran, so now he's 80 or 85, and he's saying, Lord, where are you? I thought you were going to give me offspring. I thought that you were going to give me kids. This is what you promised. Will it come true? And see how the Lord responds to Abram. Verse 4, And behold, the word of the Lord came to him. This man shall not be your heir. Your very own son shall be your heir. And he 
And he brought him outside and said, Look toward heaven and number the stars if you are able to number them. Then he said to him, So shall your offspring be. You see how God responds to Abram? Abram is struggling in his faith. Abram is saying, Lord, are your promises really true? God doesn't rebuke him. God doesn't say, hey, listen, I told you once, I ain't going to tell you again. He doesn't say that. He reassures Abram. He repeats his promise to Abram. And he says, listen, I'm going to help you through this journey of faith. It reminds me of that man in Mark 9 who says to Jesus, Lord, I believe. Help me in my unbelief. God reassures Abram's belief. He repeats it. He says, your very own son shall be your heir. And then he reassures it by taking him outside. He says, look at the stars. Count them if you can. This is how, how great your offspring shall be. You know, if you actually walk outside, if you go camping, I don't know if you've ever done this, and all the lights are out and you look up and it's amazing how many stars you can see. Some reports say you can see up to 10,000 with your naked eye. And God says, look up there. Look and see. This is what your offspring will be like. I know you have no kids right now, but I'm going to bless you. I'm going to bring offspring through you, and you will have a great multitude of descendants. And so he reassures Abram of his promise. You know, you can actually buy a star. Did you know that? You can buy a star for 50 bucks. I'm not going to have you raise your hand if you did it, because I'm embarrassed in a little bit. The, 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 the company that sells these stars is based out of some small town in Illinois. And uh, the major problem with it is, is the group that actually names the stars and names the meteors and names the planet has no affiliation with this group. Nor do they subcontract people to sell names, nor do they even sell names. And so, really, it's just this company that's saying, okay, that star's named after you, we'll print it in a book, we'll publish it, and you'll get to see it, and we'll take our money from you. <laughs> It's a pretty slick scam, actually, if you think about it. But you wonder, why would people buy a star? right? Why would you do this? You know, I thought, man, that looks cool. I'd buy a star. I think it's because we want to preserve our legacy, right? We know that our life here on earth is short. But stars, they last a long time. And who knows, maybe that star will be important someday. And they will say, we all need to talk about this star of Dan Jackson, right? But you see, your legacy won't live on with that. But with God, He comes to Abram and says, Look at the stars. This is a reminder of your legacy. Look at the stars when you doubt my promise. And remember that I will bless you and that I will give you offspring. And this all came true. Israel was a great nation with many people. But this also comes true in you and in me. For those who trust in Jesus Christ, this is true in the church. Galatians 3.7 says it this way. It says, Know then that it is those of faith who are the sons of Abraham. And so you and me are the actual proof that God made His promise come true. That God gave Abram offspring to cover the earth. See, as children of God, we can go to God and we can share with Him our doubts. We can share with Him our struggles and say, Lord, I am struggling so bad with my faith. You feel so far from me, God. Your promises seem so untrue to me right now. Lord, help me in my faith. God enjoys that. God wants that 
relationship. He wants that dialogue because what God wants to speak to you is the same thing He did to Abram. He wants to re, uh, repeat His promise to you in your heart. Repeat it through His Word, through His church, through His people, but He also wants to reassure you, remind you of the places in your life that His promises have been true to you. And so God reaffirms Abram this promised presence, but also a promised people. And finally, he reaffirms his promised property. Look in verse 7. We call this the promised land many times. And the Lord said to him, I am the Lord who brought you out from Ur of the Chaldeans to give you this land to possess. But Abram said, O Lord God, how am I to know that I shall possess it? Here again, Abram is like, Lord, where are you at? God, where are these promises that you promised to come true? And the Lord responds to him. Verse 9. The Lord said to him, Bring me a heifer three years old, a female goat three years old, a ram three years old, a turtle dove, and a young pigeon. And he brought him all these, cut them in half, and laid each half over against the other. But he did not cut the birds in half. Now, this is a very interesting response from God, isn't it? <laughs> God, uh, Abram says, Lord, will you reassure me that I will indeed inherit the promised land? And the Lord says, yeah, I will reassure you of this. Go get these animals and bring them back. And then he doesn't give him any more instruction, but Abram knows what to do. Abram knows to cut them in half. And so Abram cuts them in half, and he makes an aisle for him and for God to walk through. And what he's doing is God is making a contract with Abram. God is making a promise to Abram. God is making a covenant with Abram. And what God is saying is that if we walk through these pieces, what happens, let me back up a little bit. This was common in the Old Testament times, in an oral culture. This is how they did contracts. They would make their promises to one another. They would walk through the animals. And what they would be saying is, if I do not fulfill my end of the contract, my end of the promise, let this happen to me. Let me be torn apart. Let me die. You know, I, I think that would probably actually be very effective today in making contracts, don't you? <laughs> Tim Keller points this out, and I think it's, it, it's, it's hysterical. Imagine, imagine if you hired someone to put a sunroom on your house, okay? And they come over and they, they do all the measurements and they, they figure out what you want and they come back with a contract and they say, okay, I'm going to sign the contract stating what I will do. You're going to sign the contract stating, you know, what you're going to pay me, right? Next time that happens, just say to him, hey, you know what? I'm a Christian. Uh, let's do this biblically. <laughs> let's do this Old Testament style, all right? Take them in your backyard, right? And you have animals sectioned up, right? The neighbor's cat, goat, whatever. And you say, you know what? Here's what we're going to do, contractor. You make your promises to me. I'll make my promises to you. And then we'll walk through this. And if, if neither of us, if we don't live up to our promise, let this happen to us, right? And, and what's the contractor going to do? If he's smart, he'll call the police, right? If he's not, not smart, he'll walk through it with you. And then you will get the best sunroom ever made on planet Earth. And you will pay on time, right? That's how contracts were made. That's how promises were made. That's what God was setting up to do. And so remember, Abram says, Lord, how will I know that I will inherit this land? Look with verse, in verse 12 with me. It says, As the sun was going down, a deep sleep fell on Abram. 
And behold, dreadful and great darkness fell upon him. And then the Lord tells him how he's going to answer his prayer very specifically. Then the Lord said to Abram, Know for certain that your offspring will be sojourners in a land that is not theirs, and will be servants there, and they will be afflicted for 400 years. But I will bring judgment on the nation that they serve. And afterwards they shall come out with great possession. And we see all of this coming true at the end of Genesis, throughout Exodus. They go down to Egypt, they're slaves for 400 years. The Lord sends plagues on them and they walk out with the riches of Egypt. And they come back and take possession of the land. Verse 17, the Lord affirms His promise with this covenant. It says, When the sun had gone down and it was dark, behold, a smoking fire pot and a flaming torch had passed between the pieces. On that day, the Lord made a covenant with Abram, saying, To your offspring I give this land from the river of Egypt to the great river, the river Euphrates. There are two amazing things about this covenant. Two amazing things about verse 17 and 18. The first amazing thing is this, is that the Lord passed through the pieces. You see, what God was saying as He passed through these pieces is He said, if I do not give you this land, let the impossible happen. Let me die. Let me be torn to pieces if I don't uphold my promise to give you this land. We know that it's the Lord because it's a smoking fire and a torch. These are terms that are used by God to display His presence on Mount Sinai when when Israel's coming out of Egypt. The Lord comes down and speaks to them. And He shows His power through fire and through smoke. And it says they were terrified. They were greatly afraid. And the earth shook. You see, this would have been an awesome sign for Abram to see what was actually, it it was described as a constant lightning bolt, right? And so there was this flame that was this lightning bolt, and there was this smoke, and there was this fire passing through these pieces. And Abram would have seen this amazing and awesome thing going on. And it was the Lord passing through the pieces, saying, if I do not fulfill my covenant... Let this happen to me. And so the first amazing thing is that the Lord passes through the pieces. But the second amazing thing is that Abram did not pass through the pieces. Do you see that? God puts him in this daze in which he can see what's going on. It's almost like he's paralyzed. But Abram is not allowed to pass through the pieces. And so what the Lord is saying to this, and this is absolutely amazing, is the Lord is not only saying, if I don't fulfill my promises Let me die. He's also saying, Abram, if you don't fulfill your promises to the covenant, let me die. Let me take the consequences. And this is exactly what we see happens in the new covenant. That God becomes a man in Jesus Christ. That He takes on our covenant unfaithfulness called sin. Anytime we break the Ten Commandments, anytime we break any of the commandments of God, we're breaking His covenant. And what God says is, when you break my covenant, I will take the consequences upon myself. And so Christ did, indeed. Christ took on our consequences of death. We were to be torn apart, but Christ was torn apart on our behalf that we could have a relationship with God. When I was in seminary, I told a friend, I was going to a Promise Keepers conference with my dad and my brother. And he he jokingly said, just in passing, in this deep voice, he goes, there's only one promise keeper. And 
I don't think he knew it, but that was an extremely profound statement. There is only one promise keeper, and it is the Lord God. All of us breaks our promise to God. But God keeps His promise to us. And that is why Christ went to cross on our behalf to keep the promise of God to Himself. That is why God went through the pieces alone, because He would keep the promise when we couldn't. God's grace is absolutely amazing to us. I don't know about you, but I've been amazed as we've walked through Genesis to see how much grace there is in the Old Testament. How it's just dripping with grace of how God will fulfill the covenant on our behalf. So how should we respond to this amazing grace, to the Lord's grace? Well, if Genesis 15 is one of the most important chapters in the Old Testament, Genesis 15.6 is probably one of the most important verses in the whole Bible. And this verse tells us, how we might be saved as covenant breakers, as those who sin against God. How could we be in God's presence? Genesis fifteen six says this, And he, being Abram, believed the Lord, and he, the Lord, counted it to him as righteousness. This verse is central to the New Testament. And one passage that it comes out that I want to look at with you is Romans four twenty through 25 And it says this, No distrust made Abram waver concerning the promise of God, but he grew strong in his faith as he gave glory to God, fully convinced that God was able to do what he had promised. That is why his faith was counted to him as righteousness. There's that phrase. But the words, it was counted to him, were not written for his sake alone, but for ours also. It will be counted to us who believe in Him, who raised from the dead Jesus our Lord, who was delivered up for our trespasses and raised for our justification. Therefore, since we have been justified, meaning declared righteous by faith, just as Abram, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through Him we have also obtained access by faith into the grace in which we stand and we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. You know, the question often comes up. How are people in the Old Testament saved? Well, it's the same way that the people in the New Testament are saved. It's the same way that we are saved. It is by looking at the promised Messiah, Jesus Christ, who died for our sins, that we are saved, that we are made right with God. And it is by believing, by placing our faith and our trust in that promise that we are saved. See, it is through the promise of Jesus Christ that this new covenant, that we receive the presence of God as the people of God, and we are guaranteed the property of God in heaven for all eternity. Let me end with this. There's a story of a pastor who was going to visit someone in his congregation who was very sick. He was elderly. He was near death. And as he went there... The man was unconscious, and he had his Bible on his chest. And the pastor looked at the Bible, and he could see that there was something scribbled in the margin. And so he, read, he, he leaned over, and he read it, and it said, Proved. He was intrigued by this, and so he, he picked the Bible up, and he continued to flip through the pages of the Bible. And in the margin, over and over again, was written the word, Proved. The one that stuck out most to him was John 1.12, 
which said, Yet to all who receive Jesus, to those who believe in Jesus' name, He gave the right to become children of God. And next to that was written the word, Proved. You see, this man's life has seen that the promises of God are true always, that He is faithful. You see, we can question, God, where are you at? But He loves us too much to keep us there. He wants to remind us and to show us that His promises are always true in Jesus Christ, and they are always proved in our life. See, you are saved not because you keep your promise to God, but because God has kept His his promise to you in Jesus Christ. There is only one promise keeper. To Him be the glory and praise and worship forever. Let's pray. Gracious God, thank You that You walked through the animals for us. That You fulfilled both sides of the covenant, God. That You were faithful to us, and yet when we were faithless, You bore our sin. You bore our punishment at the cross. You were torn in half. You died that we could have a relationship with You, that we could be in Your presence, that we could be Your people, God. Thank You for that, Lord. Pray this week You would help strengthen us to stand on Your promises and to know that they are all true for us. In Jesus Christ, in His name we pray, Amen.